and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him on the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So right there tells us who has the authority. God himself give all the authority to Jesus. And Jesus, when we accept him as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into us and works through us. And at that point, we have authority over Satan, over anything bad that comes our way. So there is none greater, more powerful than our sweet Savior that God gave authority over everything. There's no more, there, there's none that has more authority than that. And He thinks enough of us that think about this for a second. We're the ones here on this earth that Jesus chooses to work through. You're the one that Jesus chooses to work through on this earth to reach other people. He doesn't need us. He chooses us. He loves us enough that He has all the authority, all the power, can do anything He wants to do, but He chooses to work through us because He loves us. And I'm asking you today, He's chose you to work through. So this morning, let's choose Him back and let's work for Him. Amen. Wow, it's good to see everybody this morning. You know, you see the rain and, and you see how yucky it is outside. And sure, the thought crossed your mind. Well, I wonder how many people are going to lay out of church today because it's raining. Well, I see not many of you did. So it's great to have you here. If you're a first-time visitor, appreciate y'all being here. Um, those coming in online and, and stuff, we appreciate um, them watching and, and participating. And so it's, it's a joy to be here. I hope you're excited as I am to come in on church on Sunday morning because it's, it's always a wonderful time to be in the house of God. Thank you, Brad, for the word this morning. Um, we know, I know we've all had weeks like that that we just nothing seems to go right. But we know get back to where we need to be in God's word and in him and uh, proclaim that authority that's in our life. Then, then things, will, they, things will still happen, but we know how to get through them. Right? So, amen. Well, all right. All the announcements have been said today. Don't forget those. Um, they're in your bulletin. Um, anything else we forgot? I think that's it. Yes. Yes. If you didn't hear Kisa, um, we had asked a couple weeks ago or so for everybody to refill out a uh, family information sheet so we can have that. We send out birthday cards, anniversary cards. Um, that way we can have a church directory or, you know, if somebody needs a number of somebody that's in the church to call or contact. I was asked this morning about that. So, um, so, so yeah, fill those out so we can make sure all those are updated. All right. Um, well, let's receive our offering. Amen. Yeah. Amen.
Word of God says to not give grudgingly nor of necessity, but what? For God loves what? A cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. We're not here for money. We're not here to take your money. This money that, that is sowed into this ministry, it, it, it goes to reach out to other places and to keep the lights on and the things we got to do is what it does. And, and so, so we're, we're not one to just harp and preach on money. But guess what? Tithing, giving, and offerings is, a, is an act of worship also. Why? Because it's an act of obedience to God's Word is what it is and what He's told us to do. So, so remember that. And so a um, couple of prayer requests this morning as we get ready to receive Miss Pat Foster. Her sister-in-law is um, her, her husband Joe passed away several years ago. His sister, they called the family in. She's at the point of death. And so remember Pat Foster's family. And then Hayden back here asked for, a, it was a former co-worker's brother, or a former co-worker, former co-worker that had uh, passed away in a car wreck. So remember that family. And then a former classmate was in a car wreck also. So um, God knows who they are. So I don't know their names. Don't worry, God does. He knew your name. He knows theirs. So just pray for that situation. Um, anything else just now before we pray? All right. Well, let's, let's join together. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for this day and this, this time together, the, the praise and worship that's already come forth this morning to your glorious and wonderful name because you alone are the one holy to receive all the glory and honor and praise. This is that last song we sang. And, and Father, we just thank you for this time that we get to come together, for being born where we're at, to have the opportunities that we have and the blessings on our life. God, forgive us for taking those things for granted each and every day. God, I just ask that you bless and touch in this time, in the, um, the needs that were mentioned this morning, Miss Pat Foster's family. God, you, you comfort that family right now. Holy Spirit, just bring comfort and peace to them. They look to you through this time. The same with the ones Hayden mentioned, Father, that you touch in both those situations, those families or those loved ones and that, that, have, that have been hurt or gone on. And God, we just thank you that you're working and you're moving. God, again, we thank you for the word that's already come forth this morning. God, and what's going to come forth, God, that you just use me as a vessel to preach what you have and to give everybody today, Father. And I thank you for that. God, in the hearts and the minds of everyone here will be open to receive your word this morning. And we go out from here to live like you've called us to live, boldly and unapologetically, each and every day, live and be the men and women of God you've called us to be. God, and we just thank you for this time together as we come and, and we do what your word says. We, we bring our tithes and offerings to the storehouse. And, Father, we thank you that you're blessing and you're moving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's, it's great to see all these children sitting up here on the front this morning. I know they're just squirming. I know that one over there is crawled under like 14 rows of chairs this morning. And, and so y'all can go to children's church. I know that's what y'all waiting on. It is to go. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, one day I will be as, as, Unshy as Tanner is. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Grandchildren are great. They are great. Yes, they are. All right. Amen. Well, I want to start. I want to thank Pat for bringing the word last week. Um, wonderful job. If you if you didn't if you wasn't here, didn't get a chance to listen, then go back and visit our Facebook page, our YouTube page. Um, I know there was a little technical issue, so there's a couple of different videos. One's like 20 minutes long, and then the rest of the sermon's on the other one. But go and, and listen to that, um, because we need to realize and understand where our blessings are being hindered from. And we can all point back to this one, to the one you're looking at in the mirror. You can blame it on whoever you want to. But at the end of the day, it comes back to how you're doing, how you're living, what you're speaking, what you're saying, what you, and, and how you're living your life. And if it's not by the Word of God, then sure, God, God still loves you, okay? God still wants to bless you. He just, you just can't do and, and be in the blessings of God and in the will of God as you need to be if we're not doing the Word of God. So, so that's where we want to start out this morning and talk. And I titled the message, I, you know, I went back and forth all week. I didn't know what to, title it, in, and I'm not one. I know there's pastors out there that come up with these whatever titles every week. You're looking, well, that's pretty good. Why didn't I think of something like that? Well, I just, whatever. So it's just unshakable and unbreakable because, you know, there's things that happen in my life, in my family, and that I see people go through, and I want to know that I'm living a life that cannot be shaken and broken by the things of this world going on around me. And you should all want that in your own Christian life. To live a life to where if something hard hits, a family member's lost, you know, things that just keep happening day in and day out, as Brad was saying, to where you don't crumble under the pressure. To where you just don't fold up and give up because that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to stop living for God. He wants you to stop being and, and proclaiming that you're even a Christian or a child of God. Because why? Because every day we know He's going to bring up things that we're doing wrong in our life, where He's got us, where He thinks He's got us, what our past is, what our present is, we're not going anywhere, all these things that He wants to bring up in our life every day and does. If I'm the only one that He does, then thank you. Y'all Y'all got it good then. All right? So, so we all know we struggle with those things because, again, I said, who, who keeps us from receiving from God? And that's us. That's the one looking in the mirror. So we look at ourselves in the mirror and we know ourselves a lot more than anybody else does because we keep things on the inside we don't want nobody else to see. So we need to learn how to live a life that is unshakable and unbreakable. And the only way we're going to do it is being in the will of God and a growing process because you're not getting saved today. And, and being in that, that, that area tomorrow. Now, you have the will of God and the Spirit of God in your life to get to that point. Okay? But, so, so we gotta learn. So, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus had, was finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. And so he comes down and we know he, he went through the Beatitudes and, and seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open, ask and it shall be given unto you. All those things he went through in the Sermon on the Mount at his call. So he comes down and he, and he says in verse 46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? I read that this week and I'm like, Yes, sir, God. 
Forgive me. Forgive me for calling you Lord and not doing the things that you say for me to do every day of my life. That's an everyday thing. If you raise your hand and say, I don't have to do that every day, then you've got either denial issues or you just straight out lying. Because we all have areas in our life to where we have, God forgive me, God forgive me, God forgive me. And His grace is sufficient to forgive us, but at some point He wants us to stop. Because there's plenty of people still calling Him Lord, Lord, and not doing anything that He says. He's saying, Lord, Lord, help me. They want these things. Help me, God. Help me in my life, Lord. I need you. I want you. I need, well, and, and a lot of the times the problem is we come, Lord, Lord, it's, it comes with, I want you to do this for me. And God's over here saying, you call me Lord, Lord, what are you doing for me? Well, I'll let you be Lord of my life. Well, good for you. So what are you doing for him? What are you doing for him? How are you living your life? But you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. And so that was, this is the same now. This goes on all over America, all over the world now. People that proclaim to be Christians and call Him Lord, they want the title because it sounds good. Or the one I like in our, in our society today is, are you a Christian? Well, I go to church. It doesn't make you a Christian because you attended church this morning. Because you're at Victory Fellowship today, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, and you leave this place and die and you're seeing you will go to hell. That's the Word of God. And you say, well, that's just mean. Well, I can't help what's mean. I, can help, I can't help what the Word of God says. So, I mean, that's, that's just the fact of the matter. So we, we want the title of Christian. We want the title of child of God. But yet we don't want to do what the Word of God says. We don't want to live our life. And you see it in my generation a lot. But you see it a lot more in this generation that's coming up. You see it there. To where, you know... It doesn't even matter if I believe in God anymore. What is, what is, what is it? It don't matter. And why do most of the, the generation under me, my kids' generation, turn away? Because they saw my generation live a life of hypocritical life that said one thing in church and another thing at home or work or wherever they're at. And, and so I can't, I can't attest to the, my parents' generation. I didn't live that life. I mean, I was fortunate enough to live in a home to where they preached the Word of God here and lived the Word of God at home and preached it the same way. So I didn't see that. But there's a lot of families, a lot of children that see that in their life, and we wonder why they turn away. And you say, well, I guess you live different. There was times in my life that my kids saw me live different than I did up here. And I have to ask forgiveness of that. Is that why I've got a child that's wayward? No, that's just because he wants to do what he wants to do and doesn't think he needs God in his life at this point. All I do is pray for him and, and pray that God brings somebody in his path to speak to him to where he can open his eyes. That's all I can do at this point. It's hard. And it makes you want to, it makes you want to be not unshakable. It makes you want to shake them and break them. Okay? That's what it makes you want to do. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Verse 47, whoever, whoever comes, that excludes nobody. Nobody in this room, man, woman, boy, ch- girl, whatever, child, it doesn't matter what age. It says whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me. So it didn't say, well, I'm waiting on God to come to me. It says whoever comes to me. Am I loud out there this morning? Okay. Am I, am I on in the monitors? Can you turn me off in the monitors? 
I hear myself enough. I don't need to hear it again. <laughs> Blaring black in my face. That's why it sounds so loud. All right. Whoever comes to me. So we have, there's a process here. It's a process here to where we're going to get to where we need to be. We've got to come to God. We're sure God, God, God come and, and He come to us. He sent Jesus to us, but He's waiting on us to physically come and say, Hey, I, I, I repent of my sins. Forgive me of this. Show me where I need to change in my life. That's how we come to God. Come to Him. And here's my sayings. And here's my sayings. We're in church this morning. There's churches all over. I think there's, what, ten churches in Faultful now, maybe? Something. I saw a funny, I don't know if y'all know, follow John Christ, comedian. He's in the middle of Nashville. You know, a rich part of Nashville. And he's doing a little comedy skit of planting a church in the south. And so he's, he's, uh, he's got a shovel in the ground and, and he's digging it up and the cameraman, he's like, we're, we're planting this church here because we know we need a church in this area. God's told us here and it pans to the right and there's a church there. And he's like, no, 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 don't, no, look, look right here. And he pans to the left and there's another church right there. And he's like, no, 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 but we need, we need it. He said, I'll just turn around this way. That way you can't see the other churches. And there's a church behind them. And he's like, well, we, we need, we know God wants you to sow here and they're in this rich neighborhood. And so he, he, he's doing it as a, because there is a lot of churches in the South. If you can't find a church in this area to go to, then the problem is probably not the churches. It's you not wanting to submit to the will of God again in your life. So I, I'm glad you're here. I hope you like it here. I hope you love it here and I hope you stay. But. So here's these sayings of mine. Reading the Word of God today. We're hearing and reading the sayings of Jesus today, right? We've heard it already this morning. We sung praises to His name. This is the easy part. This is the part we can all get into. Well, I went to church today and heard the Word of God. I turned on my Bible app on my phone and I listened to the Word of God today. I read a devotional. That's great. That's wonderful. We need to do that. We need to be in church listening to the Word of God. Listening to, the, listening to God speak to our lives. We need those things. But we, we come to a point and we wonder why things are going wrong. What's happening? And then we use excuses. Well, I know what the Bible says about this. I know, I know that it's wrong, but it's just this one time. Everybody ever use that? Okay. Um, we can all be guilty. I know what I should be doing, but, but, you ever put the buts in there? But, I don't like being in front of people. But, I hadn't, you know, I don't know. They don't look at me the same. I know I'm supposed to witness, but, I, I don't like to talk, but, that's, I don't, it, it's whatever. What You can put whatever you want in there as an excuse not to do what the Word of God says. You've heard the Word of God, and then after we hear it, we make excuses for this next part. And does them. Does them. It's great we're hearing it. It's great you're here this morning. It's great there's people in churches all over this morning. It's great they're watching online. It's great. That's wonderful. You need to hear the Word of God. But it goes further. There's another step. And a lot of times that's a big step because we're like, mm. we just we, we can't make that step. We don't want to make that step because it's going to show that 
we need more God in our life before we can do exactly what He says He wants us to do. We need more of the Word of God. And it does them. And does them. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it's not up there, but it says, Be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Doers of the Word. He says, if, you, if you're just hearers of the Word and not doers, you're deceiving yourself. Deceiving yourself. You're playing a part. You're saying something, but not really doing it. We are, we've heard this before. If, if you want to talk the talk, then walk the walk, right? It's the same in our Christian life. And you say, well, that's hard to do. Of course it is. But, but if, you, if you don't have the... Ex- you've got the greatest example that's ever walked the face of this earth to do that. And we don't do it. And I'm guilty of it myself. And I'm not, I'm not talking to y'all, okay, because I preached this sermon to myself. Guess who typed these notes out? My dad didn't. I don't get him to type. Hey, will you type your notes out and just send them to me? And I'll preach whatever you say. No. I get to type them out myself. So guess who gets convicted during the week for doing things that he's not supposed to? This guy. Be a preacher, they say. It's great, ain't it? It is. It's wonderful. No, I'm joking. I wouldn't trade this for anything. But be doers of the Word. And then he said, I will show him who he was like. So this is what we need to get to where we're like in our Christian life and our walk every day. He is like a man who building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Not a rock, not any rock, but the rock, which is Jesus, right? And when the flood arose and the stream beat Vehemently against the house. Could not shake it. Could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. So founded on the rock. So it took time for this person to build this house, didn't it? They didn't just take it in there. And I know that, you know, it, they, they had to dig deep, find great ground. I remember when we laid this, when we, when we built this building in 95. I think we started in 94 though, didn't we? And so, I, I didn't know nothing about it. I was 14, 15 years old. And so, but when they done this, we didn't just come in and say, all right, we want it right here. And we just poured a slab of concrete. No, there was work that went into it. And I know because we laid all the block that went around before the concrete was poured. That was great. And spread all the gravel out. And so, so laying that block, then that had to be on concrete also. It wasn't just laid in the ground. Why? Because if, that, if as wet as faultful is, if we'd have just put those blocks on this dirt and put everything on it, what would happen? It would sink. It would sink. So we had to put it on a firm foundation. Just like your life. You're hearing the Word of God and you're, you say you're a Christian, but you're just, you're just scratching the surface and not digging deep in your life. Why? And you see that in people because the first time a sign of trouble, they fold up. So, what's the use? What's the point? It's never going to get better. I'm never going to see anything different. So what's the point? Why? Because they're not founded on the rock. They're, they, and, and so they dug deep. They took time. They put in the work that was required to get to where they needed to go. That's part of doing the Word of God. Are we willing to do the work required to get to where we need to be in God's will in our life? Are we willing to do that? Are you willing just to go halfway and say, well, I thought God was supposed to meet me halfway. You know, God said, draw nine to me and I'll draw nine to you, right? 
There's places we've got to go that we've never seen in our life and never expected we would be there. But the only way we're going to know that we can go through this door, go to this in our life, go to this other area in our life, is if we actually go and do it. So we're never going to know that we can do this. I never knew that I wanted to be a pastor until three years ago, until God said, hey, you're going to be a pastor. But I didn't know the joy that would come along with it. I didn't know the, the just the knowing that I'm doing the will of God in my life, the pleasure of doing that in my life to this potential, how great it could be. And so I fully believe if I had not done that and been in disobedience, I'd be in misery in my life right now. So we've got to plant firmly on the rock. Firmly on the rock, he was secure. A person that has been saved for a week, five months, 50 years, all deals with the same problems. And you say, well, so somebody that's saved longer should not, should not fold under pressure. You would think. But that ain't always the case. Why? Because that person, well, I got saved when I was this age, but did nothing to move further and closer in their relationship with God. Folds like the one that's been saved a week. Why? Because they didn't do the work required to build their house and their foundation of their lives on the rock of Jesus as they needed to. They, they said, well, being saved is good enough. Then we'll go to a church that preaches, well, I'm once saved, always saved. Nothing I can do. I'm not, we're not getting into that this morning, all right? We're not going to get into that. Just follow the Word of God and you ain't got to worry about what you ain't got to do, all right? Do what the Word of God says and you ain't got to worry about, well, if there's once saved, always saved, or there's not once saved, always saved. We ain't got to get into that discussion if we do what God told us to do and live the life that He's told us to live. So, we don't want to be a Christian that falls apart because if we know if, we, if, if we're not founded on the Word of God, if, if, we're, if we're not willing to put the work in, then we're going to be like this last person. In verse 49, this other person that Jesus used as an example. He said, but he who heard it and did nothing, did nothing. If you hear the Word of God preached today and you go out from here and take nothing from it and change nothing in your life, then I'm sorry we're being like this man. You say, you say, I'm going to crumble up tomorrow. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if we do enough of that, then we're going to forget what the Word of God's being preached and what's spoken. Trust me, I sit under it for, I'm, I'll be 45 this year. I sit under him all my life. Did I do everything that this man set up here to preach it, that, he, that he said to do? No. Why? Because I didn't want to. I didn't want to. And, and so, and he, what would he do? He would get up the next week and preach again. He'd get up the next week and preach again. And, and so that's, that's what we're called to do. If somebody you're witnessing to today does not accept Jesus today, guess what? You show them the love of God tomorrow, and you show them the love of God the next day, and the next day, and the next day. That's what we're called to do. Jesus said 70 times 7 shall you forgive them, right? Always. Always forgive. Always love. Who built his house on the earth without a foundation? against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The ruin of that house was great. Why? It looked good. looked good on the outside. 
Come smile in the church today. Ain't got no problems. I ain't got no pain. I ain't got no misery in my life, at least as far as you can tell. Because the outside of my house looks great. I look good. I look like everything put together. My house is put together. I'm put together. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Nobody fits this description this morning, right? I'm glad you all come in and you're all put together. All of you, I'm glad. But that's what we're like. We put on this facade. And it looks good on the outside, but the inside shambles. The inside's full of so much, you know, discontentment. Just unforgiveness, disobedience, all these things in our life that we keep right there. And and it's just it's just ugly. I I, I work and this is nothing to do. Alright, so I work with this building that I'm in, there's several women. There's this one girl that used to work here. And uh this one this other woman said after she left, she's like I told her one day that maybe she should eat some of that makeup and look prettier on the inside because she got enough of it on the outside. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was like, well, maybe we should eat some of the Word of God and get the things out of our life that are, that are looking ugly, that make us look ugly on the inside, out to where we can look more like God on the inside, the way we try to look like we're full of God on the outside. And then when we come in here and it's time for praise and worship, we have no problem lifting our hands. We have no problem praising. We're not worried about we can be just as free-spirited as these children up here this morning. And we can be that way. So I want to be able in my life, okay, this, this is me. I wrote these things down. And I pray that you, you, you get something out of this and you say, well, I need that in my life also. I want to be able in my life to overcome anything that comes my way. Anything. No matter what. How big, how small. I've had to preach some funerals. I preached one yesterday for a dear friend at work. His mother passed away. And I know one day I'll deal with that. Why? Because it's a point of an under man wants to die, right? So we know we're not going to live here on this earth forever. But I tell them, hey, just, just trust in God. You know, take comfort in that. And so when the day comes for that, I want to be just as strong as what I'm telling them to be as strong as. I want to be able to do what God has commanded me to do in His Word every time. Without wavering. Without wondering, hey, is this the will of God? Without this, without that. But I know it's the Word of God and the will of God. I don't want to give in to temptations when they come. I want to be able to overcome every one of them. And not give in to any of them. But it's no matter how big or how small the temptations are. I want to be able to overcome them every time. (laughs) I want to be the husband and father that I need to be every day, all the time. Am I? No. Do I strive for that? Yes. Less times more than others. But I want to be what the Word of God tells what a husband should be and a dad should be. If you're a wife, you should want to be the wife and the mother that God's called you to be out of the Word of God. And I, I, God's been dealing with me on stuff. We may get into more of that next week. I want to be willing. I want to love others as Jesus loves me. We're going to talk more about that love in just a minute. I want to be willing to give whatever and whenever I feel the Spirit leading me to without any hesitation. That means that I don't love things in this world more than I love God. That means I'm willing to give up whatever in service for His kingdom. 
and the, then, then the natural, you know, possession of things doesn't matter. I want to be able, this is a hard one, I want to be able to forgive others as Jesus has forgiven me. We all struggle with that one. Loving others and forgiving others. Well, Jesus talked about it a good bit. Got to love them, got to forgive them. How do I be able to do these things? It's simple. Do the things the Word of God tells me to do. It's simple to say, not simple to do. It's simple for me to say those things and want to do those things, but I'm going to have to put the work in to get better in my life, leaning on the Word of God and, the Spirit, and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct me in every way in my life. And if I don't, then I won't be able to get to these areas in my life I want to get better at. After Jesus has been raised from the dead, we know we come back, spoke with his disciples. There was one time, you remember, they were out fishing. And again, he told them to cast their net on the other side. And they didn't realize who it was. But he was, um, he, he, they come up and, and, and Jesus fed them. They fished for breakfast that morning there on the shore. And so, in, in John chapter 21... In verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. He said to him again, this is Jesus, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then tend to my sheep. So the third time, Jesus said again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. He was aggravated. He's like, why, why are you asking me this the third time? Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do you realize that there's two different meanings of love in this passage? There's agapeo love or agape love that Jesus was talking about. And, and that goes back to an unconditionally and sacrificial love. It means to love unconditionally and sacrificially as God Himself loves sinful men. The way He loves Jesus, the way God loves Jesus, that's agape love. And He wanted Peter to say, yes, I love you as much as you love me in the same aspect. But Peter wasn't saying it like that. Peter says we love God like we love, you know, fishing. Or love hunting. Or love whatever. He didn't say it with the same passion and affection as Jesus was saying, do you love me? His was, his was, Peter's was uh, a filio. Am I saying that right? And, and it just means that that was that meaning. So Greek, it comes from the Greek and there's different meanings of love in the Greek. And it says to be a friend to. To be a friend to. Well, that's great. Oh, I love you, God. Mm, I love you, God. I love. Do you? Do you agape love God? Do you unconditionally love God? Do you just love Him when He's doing good things for you? Or do you just love Him when you're feeling good today? Or do you just love Him when, when, when everything is going just kosher and as it should be in your life? If you do that, then you're just fond of Him as an individual or an object that is to have an affection for, denoting any personal attachment as a matter of sentiment or feeling. That's what Peter's type of love he was saying back to Jesus was. God deserves more than that in our lives. 
He deserves us to love Him as much as He loves us. He deserves that in our life. Why? Because He sent His only Son, Jesus, to save us from our sins. Not save us from our sins so we can still live comfortably in our sins, which is what I'm guilty of having done that in the past. Why? Because we go back and make excuses for our sins and still live in those same things, knowing that the Word of God says different. And you say, what? You say, and I don't agape love God if I do that? Exactly. Because he said, you can't love your brother. You can't say you hate your brother and say you love God. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So we can learn to love God with that agape love instead of the type of love Peter was saying back. Then we can understand how that we can kind of get to where we need to start to be grounded in the Word of God. Why? Because when we love God that much, we'll be willing and able to put the work in that we need to to be the Christians and the children of God He's called us to be. Not only that He's called us to be, I say that a lot, He's called us to be. Yes, He's called us to be that. But you had to surrender your life for to do that. So when you surrendered your life, you say, God, I want to be a child of God. So being a child of God, sure, our main goal and objective is to get to heaven. Not to ride the wave here and hope nothing goes wrong until we get there because we know that it is. So we need to love God the way Jesus was loving Peter and wanted wanted that back. He wanted to hear that back. And so when we say we agape love God or agape, we mean that. That's a verb where it's putting into action love and not just saying it. Not just saying it. We're showing that. Because he loved God unconditionally. Love Him. As as He he loved sinful men, as He loved you, as He loved me, while we were sinners, Christ died for us and gave His life for us, right? And He loved us in our sin. So it's a huge difference when we say we love somebody. I don't love Brad the way I love my wife. Thank God. If I did, then y'all need to rebuke me from being up here and rebuke you from ever coming up here. But it's a different kind of love. It's a different kind of affection. And so, it's, it's, then it's got to be a different kind of love and affection that we show God. We want all God's love showered on us, and then get mad at Him and blame Him for everything when it's going wrong. I heard this the other day, that when somebody does something wrong, they don't say, Oh, Muhammad. Oh, whatever. Oh, Buddha. Oh, Jesus. they they got to take the name of God in vain. Why? Because they don't want it to, the devil does not want the name of Jesus to mean what the Word of God says it means. He wants it to be so watered down, and God's so watered down that whatever you do in your life is fine, but that's not what the Word of God says. It's not what the Word of God said. We're not going to get grounded on the, in the Word of God. We're not going to be unshakable and unbreakable in our life if we continue on these same paths every day. Paul, this famous chapter, famous Three verses in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul endured all kind of hardships. When God showed up in Paul's life, he said, All right, I, God, I love you. I see it. I see it. He said, he said, I love you, God. And he showed that in his life every day. There is nobody in here that has ever or probably will ever before they leave this earth in America that we live in endure any of the trials and temptations that Paul did. 
I've never been beat. I've never been slapped. I've never been spit on. I've never been whipped with a whip. I've never been shipwrecked. I've never been all these things for the name of Jesus. But Paul did. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. He said, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also, may also be manifested in our bodies. I read this out of the Passion Translation, and it should have the slides up there. Verse 8. I like how it put it. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we've all been there, pressure on every side of our life, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do. We've all been there. We don't know what to do. God, and that's when we go to God. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how this is going to happen. I, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. But I love this. But quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Stop giving up on God every time something goes wrong or not your way. Stop doing that. Quitting is not an option. I remember coaching my children and, and when, when I coached Ginger's son, Will, in basketball and park and rec. I just, I just can't. I just can't. And I said, I would tell them all the time, and that's the same thing as quitting, because I can't. I just can't. Can't, can't should not be in your vocabulary. That and quit is like a four-letter word of anything else. It should be gone from your vocabulary and your, in your, your, your mind of, and way of thinking. Get that out of the equation. Stop saying those things. Stop living that life of quit. and, and just Because quitting cannot be an option. Because why? Because the devil wants you to every day to quit. He wants you to quit. He wants you to stop Living the life that you said you're going to live for God. And He's going to produce and He's going to do things in your life every day to make you wish that you wasn't living a Christian life. He's going to put challenges in front of you every day. He's going to make your... Now, I'm not saying the devil didn't make your lure go in those weeds, okay? I'm not saying that. Or make you spend that $58 and not fix it. But he was there in your mind while those things were going on, not letting you say, God, I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to think this way. I thank you for helping me with wisdom to get through this and how to get through this. Why? Because he was putting those other thoughts in your head. Why? Because he wanted to make you quit. <sighs> Stupid. I don't know. What's the point? He wanted to make you quit. And that's what he does each and every one of us every day when we wake up. He wants to make us quit. And He's not going to stop. Why? Because He was in heaven. Just as Brad read this morning. Jesus said, I saw Him fall like lightning. I saw Him fall. And so He was there. And He don't want you to be there. He wants you to be miserable in hell with Him the rest of eternity. So we've got to stand against that. We've got to stand firm and strong against that. It goes on to say, but, but quitting is not an option. Verse 9, we are persecuted by others. But God has not forsaken us. He's not forsaken you. He's not left you alone. He's not, he's not just pushed you over to the side. It says we may be knocked down, but not out, right? We're down, but not out. You may, you may have had something shaking in your life, something that, that makes you want to just stop and give up, but don't. Don't. 
Surrender your life fully to God and then you can see where you need to change in your life. Because most of the time, every time that I've been to where I know that I'm not doing the will of God or something's going on in my life, it's, it's because I'm not where I need to be in my own life. And I'm not wanting to surrender my life to Him as I need to. When I do that, are the problems still there? Yes. But I know how to get through them. Why? Because I didn't quit. I didn't quit. I want to live a life that's unshakable and unbreakable and let the devil know every day in my life that you cannot have me, you cannot have my family, you cannot have nothing of mine because why? I am a child of God. And that trumps anything that the devil wants to try to give you lies and tell you lies because remember, they are all lies. They are all lies. If you ever get the thought that you're not good enough, God don't love me anymore, what I've done, this, what happened here, you know, my child's my fault, my husband's my fault, my wife's my fault, whatever it is, my job's my fault. It, some of it may have been, but you're still a child of God and you still have the authority, as Brad talked about this morning, to change your course and direction, to speak the Word of God over that and get through that in your life and stop living the life that's keeping you beat down all the time and live for Him as He's told you to. Amen? Amen. Stop believing the lies because He's not going to stop feeding them to you. He's going to feed them to you every day, making you quit. Wanting to make you quit, but don't. Don't. Don't quit and don't give up. Be like the man that built his house on the rock. The rock of Jesus, the foundation of the Word of God. Be like that. Don't give up and don't give in to the things around you. Especially to Satan. Especially to his lies. Especially to those things. And when we do that, when we make it through today... And we, and we get get past today, then tomorrow is going to come right there. And it's going to be right back again. We get through tomorrow, we're going to do Tuesday, and we're going to do the same thing. It's like I read yesterday at the funeral. I love Psalms 23. I've heard it. I've been to, I don't, I can't count how many funerals I've been to and watched this man um, preside over. But he always read that. Always read the Psalms 23. Why? Because... It's a psalm of comfort, psalm of peace. And we can use it in our life every day. And I've heard him say this for years, and so have you. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. God has mercy and grace sufficient for you. And he says it in the Word of God, in the day, in the time of need. And so he wants that to follow you. He wants that over your life. So let that be over your life. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for peace. And then walk in the fullness of God in your life each and every day and be the man and woman of God as we talk about, as we pray about, as, as what God's called us to be so we can live this life for Him as we're supposed to. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand this morning. So the first step into knowing that you can be founded and grounded in the rock and have that firm foundation, you'll never get there unless you make Jesus order your life. You surrender your will and make His will your will and get yours out of the way.